Hey, and welcome to Imani Nicole, the podcast, the place where you can be both spiritual and the most authentic version of yourself. I'm your host and lit life coach, Imani, and I will help demystify spiritual concepts and empower you to be the most lit version of yourself as you navigate your spiritual journey, relationships, and self-evolution while having a ton of fun in the process. Let's be our best selves together and let's get started. Hello, lovely. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to my energy. I am so, so happy to hang out with you today. I am sipping on a kombucha in my new apartment. Um, so we moved the same complex with just a different building. We moved apartments and I don't know, it's just been like, it's, it's great. Like I love this space. It's bigger and like there's more sunlight, which makes me really, really happy. But it's been a real energetic adjustment. I don't I don't know how else to explain it, but like I don't know. It just it feels like the space doesn't feel weird, but like the adjustment itself has been like a thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, like I'm I'm finally like feeling more settled in and things like that and I have this new kombucha that I love. It's called Babe. Yeah, it's called Babe. I think it's just Babe Kombucha. (laughs) And it's passion fruit, orange, and guava flavored. It's actually really, really good. But you know, kombucha is one of those things where you either love it or you hate it. I personally love it, but like you cannot judge kombucha by the first sip. You just, (laughs) you just can't. Like it, it needs like a good two to three to four sips before it actually like tastes fine. And then, and and even then, like you can't let it get warm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because it's going to taste like horrific, but enough about kombucha. So today I want to talk about balance and how I think that we are thinking about balance ass fucking backwards. So (laughs) we had a power hour, gosh, a while ago now. And for those of you who don't know, power hour is a space within Turn Up Squad where we journal and meditate and share. We have a discussion and it's like the heart and soul of what I do. And also it's like where I got my start. (laughs) It's incredible. The prompt was, what does balance mean to you? And I, you know, I journal during these sessions too. And I was, I was honestly stumped by this question. And I, I create these prompts, you know, or, or I find them or things like that. And so I was like, how the hell am I stumped by, by this? But like these journal prompts are meant to make you think, right? And so I just kept getting stumped and frustrated and I couldn't even articulate why I was feeling like this. Like I was pissed. (laughs) I was sincerely pissed. And what I found myself doing was trying to define the perception of balance from other people. So this is kind of where my researcher mind like kind of fucks me up, right? (laughs) Where like... I was trying to define it in a way that was objective. And I think that's where I went wrong. And so just to like 
kind of segue from that. Like when we talk about balance and the debate of like what work-life balance is and how do you achieve that or is it even real, right? Like a lot of people say that it's not even attainable, right? And so if we're thinking of balance, right, we think of having our work life, our home life, our family life, our children. Oh yeah. And let me not forget my side business and let's throw a hobby in there. And oh yeah, I have a friend or two that I should probably talk to you every once in a while. So like, let's do that too. (laughs) And so we think of balance as like having all of these pieces of a pie chart perfectly even and balanced, right? And so I think that's one way to think about balance. Sure. And I think that it's completely... I I think there's another way that we can think about it, right? So like, I have a background in psychological research. And whenever we're running an experiment, the first thing that you need to do before you can move forward in any kind of process is to define your variables, which is so important in a field like psychology, where the terms can be more nebulous, like empathy, like happiness, like sadness, like joy, right? So you have to Um, conceptualize these kind of like nebulous human emotion concepts with definition so that the, the reader knows what you're talking about and how you're quantifying and measuring your variables, right? And so I think the previous definition, in other words, having everything perfectly balanced in your pie chart does not serve us as a collective, Right. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, what if we were thinking about balance ass backwards? You know what I mean? Like, what if balance isn't external at all? Or maybe it doesn't have to be. Right. What if balance was actually a state of being? What if balance is feeling level headed? What if balance gets to feel like you're calm and serene? Right. Instead of having this beautiful external, you know, perfect picture in, you know, the external reality, because what the hell is that even, right? But I think once we internalize balance, I think the idea of balance now gets to like breathe and morph and be able to, you know, be changed, right? So when we think of balance as being internal, that suddenly gives us more control, right? Like suddenly balance becomes more attainable instead of like, you know, I have a clean house and all my kids are fed and like all of the, I mean, well, well, yes, like feed your kids, but you know what I mean? And, And this is also coming from someone who doesn't have kids, but you know what I mean, right? Like everything has to be perfect. And, you know, whatever the mind drama is, like it doesn't have to be that, right? But when we think of balance as an internal state, I think, you know, this idea of balance becomes more uh, attainable, right? It's not something that's outside of us, right? So I think one of the many, many ways that we can obtain internal balance is through rest. Maybe the invitation when we think of balance this way is to focus less on a work-life balance and more on a work-rest balance, right? And I just want to like invite you to think about what what comes up for you when you think of rest, you know what I mean? Like, do you get enough? Uh, how do you rest? Are you like, no, I hate rest, like, like give me something to do? Um, 
(laughs) just thinking about like what your relationship is to rest, right? And just like there's different ways to work, there's also lots of different ways to rest, right? So when we think of rest, a lot of us think about like sitting down and being couch potatoes, right? But that's only one type of rest. And Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith identified actually seven types of rest, and they are physical, mental, emotional, social, sensory, creative, and spiritual. That's seven, right? Yes, that's seven. (laughs) So in the remainder of this episode, I really want to go over like the different types of rest, like how you know you're depleted, like how do you know you're like fatigued in this area, and how to restore yourself. So I thought it would make the most sense to start off with the one that we typically think of, which is physical rest. So if you've ever like run a marathon, not my journey, so I wouldn't know, um, or done a workout, then you know what physical exhaustion feels like. But it's not just about exercise, right? Like if you are hunched over your desk, even if you are like on a super duper long, long, unenjoyable drive, or even too little sleep can wear your body out. And so physical rest can be passive, right? So like that's what we think about when we are napping or sleeping or vegging out on the couch and watching Netflix, right? So that's passive rest, right? And then there's active rest, which means like taking a walk or doing yoga or stretching, like anything that's more gentle, right? And this one is super important to listen to because our bodies are so freaking intelligent, right? So if we're not getting enough rest, physical rest, we can get physically sick until we are forced to rest. And that's no fun, you feel me? So it's better to just like rest and then not be forced, you know? Okay, great. Next up, we have mental rest. So our brains think upwards of 70,000 thoughts per day. And our minds need a break from the constant thinking and planning and problem solving and honestly, like just existing, (laughs) right? So this can look like, um, you know, having a hard work day or, doing a semester's worth of homework in a night, not saying that, you know, that's personal experience, but it's fine. Um, (laughs) right. But like, you're not necessarily moving at all, but you still feel exhausted. And so mental exhaustion can come from obviously overthinking, having decision-making marathons, or having those beautiful and lovely anxiety loops that we all love and adore. Um, I hope you can catch the obvious sarcasm in my voice there. (laughs) But the antidote to mental exhaustion is to give your mind a break, right? So doing something mindless like doodling or staring at the clouds or my personal favorite like cozy games can even work for mental rest but like mindfulness and meditation also are great ways to hit the mental pause button right so a telltale sign that you need mental rest is that you get plenty of sleep but you still feel exhausted and irritable 
right? So you can also get mental rest by like taking really short but frequent breaks throughout the day or, you know, reducing multitasking if you don't have the capacity for it. But I'm telling you right now, like if you have never tried a midday meditation, (laughs) nothing hits like it. It's like a cup of tea for your nervous system and it is chef's kiss. The next type of rest is emotional rest. And emotional exhaustion can come from bottling up emotions or experiencing uh, stress or grief for prolonged periods of time or playing the always happy role when you're not necessarily happy, right? And I also want to give a voice to this is that people who are in helping professions, so like therapists, coaches, nurses, um, you know, doctors, anything like that, are also very susceptible to a certain type of emotional exhaustion called compassion fatigue. And I want to spend some time here because you may or may not have heard of compassion fatigue, but it is a very, very real thing. And compassion fatigue is actually very similar to burnout. And compassion fatigue comes from Um, helping others or like wanting to help others, but you're just overwhelmed by being exposed to like secondary trauma, right? Or just the emotional baggage of, um, of someone else. So, you know, when we think of burnout, right? Like it, burnout does not happen overnight, right? Like burnout happens from a slow burn And compassion fatigue happens in the same way. And a telltale sign that you probably have compassion fatigue is if you feel numb or, you know, there's a change in your worldview or even your spirituality. Um, If you feel like powerless or hopeless or helpless, those are signs of compassion fatigue. And it's really important to know these signs, especially if you are in a profession where, or not even necessarily a profession, you can even just be a caretaker even, or around someone who is really going through it and you are supporting them in some way, whether it be physically or emotionally, right? It's important to know what these signs look like so that A, you know that it's happening and B, to prevent it. And a way to prevent that is to recharge yourself emotionally, right? So it's okay to get in touch with your feelings, right? And that can look like expressing yourself to a friend or writing in a journal or like having a really good cry when you need it. And Emotional rest is also saying no when you need to and setting boundaries in order to avoid that emotional exhaustion and also making sure that you have some sort of emotional support, whether that looks like, you know, having a a therapist. I'm a big fan of therapists Um, or, you know, or a friend or something like that that you that you trust. Okay, so next up we have social rest. And so if you identify as an introvert, you already know what social exhaustion feels like, right? 
So social exhaustion happens when you're like socially overextended or your social interactions are more draining than fulfilling. Or maybe you're around people who consistently demand your energy without replenishing it, right? So telltale sign of social exhaustion is that you want to be left the hell alone. (laughs) Or you crave to be surrounded by people who actually energize you instead of drain you, right? So to rest socially If you are an extrovert, it can sound like spending time with the people who get you and who lift you up, right? And if you feel like you just need a break from people, which trust me, I get it, like don't feel bad for staying in if your friends are going out, right? So social rest can look like obviously taking time for yourself and by yourself, Um, setting boundaries, right? So saying like, hey, you know, if y'all want to, you know, hit the town tonight, go for it. But I'm going to chill with my book and some wine and that gets to be okay. (laughs) And if you are feeling, you know, wiped out socially, it's okay to say no to like invitations. And it's not about being like, antisocial or anything like that, but it's about maintaining your social battery at a high and healthy level. Okay, so next up we have sensory rest. So sensory exhaustion can come from overstimulation of the five senses. (laughs) So you can think of sensory exhaustion as sensory overload right? And, and anyone can feel sensory overload, but you can be especially prone to sensory overload or have a lower threshold to reach that if you are neurodivergent or if you have PTSD, things like that, right? So like, it's easy to feel that, right? Like with notifications going off, bright screens in our faces all the time, traffic noise, even just people talking, it can lead to sensory overload and it can feel us feeling frazzled and be like, shut the fuck up, like, what are you, please. So <laughs> to get some sensory rest, like try a digital detox. It's incredible. And for a while, I used to have Sundays with no phone whatsoever. So like unplug, go out for a walk in nature, enjoy some like good old silence or simply like close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. Your senses will thank you. Okay, and next up we have spiritual rest. So first of all, I want to talk about what I mean when I talk about spirituality. So when I say spirituality, I mean your personal and unique relationship with God, the universe, etc. And I'm referring to like the way people seek and express meaning and purpose and the way they experience their connection to the moment, to themselves, to others, to nature, to the divine, you know, that inner compass that helps guide you toward who you want to be and how you relate to the world, right? And for some, spirituality is closely tied to religious beliefs, or in other words, religion is a vehicle for spirituality, And for others, spirituality is more individual, right? So it might be found in 
a garden or on a walk or even in a class or yoga or whatever it is, right? So spiritual fatigue or spiritual exhaustion is something that's not very talked about, I don't think, right? So spiritual exhaustion is more of an existential form of fatigue and it can manifest in a few different ways, right? So it can manifest as like being disconnected to your sense of purpose, disconnected from your sense of values or a greater power, if that's part of your belief system. Or you may feel like you're just going through the motions in life without any real direction. And this could apply to your jobs or relationships or life in general. For instance, you may be excelling in your career, but if that career doesn't align with your personal values or passions, you might feel spiritually exhausted, right? It can also manifest as feeling discouraged or having very little faith, right? And I'm not necessarily talking about religious faith, but it can. I'm talking more about faith in the general sense, right? And this last one is for my spiritual seekers out there. I see you. I know you. I am you. (laughs) So spiritual exhaustion can also occur when you're constantly seeking the answers, right? So you are like dabbling in a little bit of everything, right? So you have the tarot cards, you have the the astrology, you have the this, you have the that. And I think I think that curiosity is amazing and I think it can be great. However, if you're trying to learn or dabble in too many things at a time, it can be really, really overwhelming. And I also want to say this too, that if you're not like grounded in the practices that you are exploring, I I think that that can lead to a different kind of spiritual exhaustion in the sense of being very ungrounded and disconnected from reality, which is a very different conversation in and of itself. But that's also something to be noted. So to recharge spiritually, at least in that realm, if you are a seeker of sorts and you're trying to, you know, find something that that resonates for you. Yes, I get it. And maybe try like one thing at a time, you know, some a number that doesn't overwhelm you. Right. Another way that you can recharge spiritually is to reconnect with what gives you a sense of meaning and what gives your life a sense of meaning, right? So that could um, include things like even volunteering or engaging in activities that make you feel connected to something larger than yourself, right? And some of the more obvious things are, you know, prayer and meditation and spending time in nature. But just as spirituality is such a deeply unique process, the way that you recharge is also a deeply unique process when you're talking about recharging spiritually, right? So one of the ways that I recharge my spirituality or recharge spiritually, sorry, is by dancing. And, you know, even, you know, personally, I feel closest to God, the divine, when I'm dancing and when I can't 
tell the difference between my soul and the music and I'm just lost and it doesn't necessarily even have to be choreographed right like just even moving my body to the music that is deeply spiritual to me and the last realm of rest is creative rest now you don't have to necessarily be or identify as a creative to experience creative fatigue even though I believe that all of us are creatives that's besides the point but maybe you are a writer or an artist or designer or any other kind of creative professional or maybe your job requires problem solving and strategic planning or any kind of form of um innovative thinking right even if you're a parent and you're constantly trying to find ways to like entertain your kids um you're using creative energy. I mean, how many ways can you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Interesting, right? Like you are using creative energy. And so the best way that I can explain creative fatigue is if you've ever sat down to like brainstorm and your ideas are just like not coming or maybe you're producing work or you're working on something that you loved once upon a time and were really, really like jazzed and excited about, but now it feels like stale and uninspiring and like a chore, right? Like that is creative exhaustion. And it happens when you're consistently like producing and creating and innovating new things and brainstorming and you're not taking the time to fill your creative tank or to find things that inspire you. So to get rest creatively, you can get into what inspires you, right? Maybe it's reading a book or watching a sunset or immersing yourself in other people's art, right? Whatever that looks like for you. I'm also such a huge advocate for taking creative breaks. I take creative breaks from my podcast all the time and I love my podcast and I want to continue to love it. So if it feels too much like a chore, that's how I know I need a creative break. That's how I know I need to like, you know, do like close the laptop, do something else and come back to it. Right. And I also want to say, too, that like when you have creative exhaustion, it doesn't mean that you're not talented or you're not capable. Everybody experiences creative exhaustion, right? It is a very, very normal part of the creative process. And Rick Rubin also talks about this in his book. I think it's called The The Creative Act. Yeah, one of my favorite books of all time, right? And he even talks about this. And the key is to really just recognize the signs and take steps to rest and recharge your creative battery. So take a break, get inspiration, and like trust that your creative juices will flow again because they always do. So that is what I have for this episode, sweet loves. Let me know what hit for you and what resonated for you. I would love to hear what you walked away with, what you learned, and maybe there's a type of rest that you've been neglecting that you want to spend a little more time with. Let me know. I would absolutely love and adore to hear that. 
And if you feel so moved, I would love it if you left a review for the podcast. It helps reach those who are meant to see it and well, to hear it. <laughs> and my deepest hope and wish for you is that you are able to rest my dear heart. I love you so much and I will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, tell me about it. Find me on Instagram at Imani Nicole and tag me and tell me what you loved about this episode. I love hanging out with you and I cannot wait to talk to you next week. See you soon.